Hey, family, welcome to Calvary Chapel, Miami, here once again. Uh, I'm not Pastor Zach. Uh, Pastor Zach is um, in Israel with 50-plus uh, other people from our congregation uh, on a trip over there. So we could be uh, praying for them as they're praying for us. He texted me early this morning. I uh, just wanted to let you guys know that he's thinking about you, praying for you, and praying for the services this morning. In the way of announcements, uh, Foundation of Faith classes, they start February, um, excuse me, July 2nd, February. I'm living in the past. July 2nd, um, and they will be four-week classes from 5.15 to 7.30 at night. Um, these classes are necessary in order to serve here at Calvary Chapel, Miami. We'll also be having a water baptism. That'll be July 16th. So if you've been praying about getting water baptized or know someone that wants to get water baptized, that'll be here on church property. And that'll be at 6 p.m. Um, I believe that'll be also connected to our prayer service uh, that night. So please come on out, whether you're getting baptized or not. Uh, we welcome you to come out and support those that are getting baptized. The ladies... Ladies will be having a summer social event. That'll be July 25th. You could sign up for that at calvarymiami.com forward slash events. If you want to get more information on all the things happening uh, this summer, please pass by the info booth located at the front of the church. Uh, one more announcement before I forget. Uh, after service, we will be having uh, lunch here. The cafe will be um, selling grilled chicken burritos and burrito bowls. So we welcome you to stay and enjoy of some fellowship with your brothers and sisters and enjoy of that delicious food. Um, so I welcome you to turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 as we open up in a word of prayer. So Lord, we come before you, Father. We're thankful for this morning. God, thankful for your presence in this place and in our lives. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Pray, Father, that as we open up your word, that you would open up our understanding. God, that you would speak to us directly. Thank you so much for your word. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you've turned to Acts chapter 3. If you need a Bible, uh, ushers will be uh, passing those out, we welcome you to, to grab one of those Bibles so that you have uh, God's word in your hands and so that you could follow along chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Um, but before we, we dive deep there into Acts chapter 3, I, I want to talk about something, and, and that something is expectations, right? Sometimes we come into a place with expectations. We'll come into this church maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time. And we have expectations. And those expectations, they could be based on, on our past or on things that have happened to us. And maybe if you've always been let down, you've come into this place today expecting to be disappointed. Or maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you've always been judged. So you think that someone in this room is going to have a negative opinion about you. You think maybe, man, I've always been lied to. So there's no way that what's going to come from the pulpit is truth or what a brother or a sister will share with me today is truth. And we come into places with, with expectations. If we could be honest, we come into church with expectations. And, and maybe you've had a hard life, right? 
you expect that things won't be able to get any better. And maybe you're here today, and instead of being negative Nancy, you're positive Polly. And everything's been going great. So you expect today to be another great day, right? You expect this upcoming week to be amazing. You've never been sick, so why would you be the one that gets sick? Man, you've always been able to hold a job, so why would you be the one that goes into the office on a Monday morning, the boss calls you in, and you're fired? Why would, why would that be you? It's, it's, it's never been you. It's never happened to you. Man, you've always been well off. Why would all of a sudden, why would you lose it? Why would you lose it all? And life, it, it throws curves balls, curve balls at us, right? It, 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 it's difficult just because we're believers or because we attend church services. It doesn't mean that we won't go through difficulties. Difficulties are a part of this fallen world. But expectations, we bring expectations into the room. And at times, our expectations, they could put God into a box. They could affect our prayer life. They could affect the way that we open up God's word and understand it. Because we're expecting it to be the same as it's always been. But God, I believe that he wants to do something fresh here this morning. He wants to speak to us through his word. You'll see how all this ties into the portion of scripture that we'll read through now. But the last time I was able to share with you guys, we read through Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, we were told that many signs and wonders were to be done by the apostles in the coming days. And here in Acts chapter 3, we're going to read about one of those signs and wonders. We're going to be able to dive deep into God's word and ask him to, to speak to us. So my prayer for you this morning is that if that's you, if you've come in here with expectations, whether you realized it or not and now you realize it, would you set those to the side? Would you set those expectations to the side and would you be open to what God has for you, for what the Holy Spirit has for you today? God's word, it's for today. He wants to speak to you individually. He has a plan for each and every one of you. And he wants to talk to you this morning. So let's set those things to the side, whether it be from this week, this month, this past year. And let's allow the creator of the heavens and the earth to speak to us. He wants to talk to you, his child. He loves you. He cares for you. And he has something fresh for you this morning. So that being said, I thought we'd read through the first 10 verses there in Acts chapter 3. And it says the following. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. And it says, a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Verse 3 tells us, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6 says, Then Peter he said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately 
his feet and ankle bones, they received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gates of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So there, in the first 10 verses, we, we, we see a lot, a lot to, to unpack, a lot that we could apply to our walks. And it says in verse 1 that Peter and John, they went up together to the temple. The hour of prayer was the ninth hour. So this is the equivalent of saying at about 3 in the afternoon, they, they go to a prayer service. And it's interesting to note that Peter and John were not attending the temple at the hour of sacrifice, but they were attending at the hour of prayer. For they knew that Jesus, that he had accomplished this upon the cross. But they were there at a time which is interesting to note. It's at the same time that Jesus would cry from the cross, it is finished. So maybe at this time, they, they, they held this time special to themselves. They held this time as, as a time of, man, this is when it was accomplished. This is when it was finished. This is a time that we should set apart and pray. Maybe it was that. But nonetheless, they purposed to go to gather and to pray. And they would do that at the temple at 12. They would do it at 9 a.m., at 12, and at 3. But here, 3 o'clock, they, they go and a typical prayer service would be as follows. It would be an hour long in the first 15 minutes. I found interesting would be a time of silent meditation, a time of meditating on how great and good God is, the glory of God. And if I could be honest with you, at times I go to God in prayer, and I'll skip this. I'll go straight to my petitions. I'll go straight to what it is that I want. And in God, he's good. He's a great God, and we should, we should be able to take time and to recognize this, to meditate upon how good he is. And they, they purpose to do that in prayer services the first 15 minutes. And in the next half an hour, it would come to petitions, that of uh, petitions that people would have about their own lives and about others, and they would, they would pray for others. And the last 15 minutes, they would spend it worshiping God. I thought I'd just touch upon that because I, I, I found it interesting, you know, because I, I, I find myself just taking things to God and saying, God, this is what I need. Here's my list, right? God, these, these are the things that I need to get done. Will you help me? And maybe you're here this morning and you've brought a list. You're like, God, I, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ba, 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 ba. God's like, we'll get to it. Will you just sit here and will you receive? Convicted. Uh, oftentimes when, when the pastor teaches, right, it's because the Lord's been doing a work in, in you and, and the Lord has, has convicted me of this. I, I go to, to, to my Alba, I go to my Papa and all I have is wants. I don't thank him for all that he's done, for how good he is. May that change. But it says there in verse 2 of Acts chapter 3 that a certain man lame from his mother's womb, meaning that this is all he had known. Since birth, he was 
lamb. It says that he was carried and that they would carry him daily to the gate of the temple. And there he would ask for alms for all that would enter into this temple. And it's interesting because I got to think this was another day, uh, like every other day had been. He would wake up, he would rely upon others, maybe to help him use the restroom, to get ready, to go to the gate. He would need others to carry him there, right? And it was the same as it had been every other day. In the following chapter, in Acts chapter 4, it'll tell us that it had been 40 plus years of his life, right? His entire life. And this is what he had known. Maybe you're here today and it, you've come in with these things because it's just, it's all that you've known, right? You've only known hurt. You've, you've only known disappointment. This man, he had never walked. He had never known what, what, that, what that meant. And maybe he gave up on his dream of, of walking one day. But here we see that all he wanted was to be supported in the current condition that he was in. But God, he had something greater. God had something greater for that day. And maybe you're here today and you've come looking for a physical healing. Maybe you're sick or maybe a family member's sick. And you've come here and Maybe it's that you're brokenhearted and you're looking for a physical healing. But maybe God has seen it fit that you be here this morning for a spiritual healing. And he wants to touch your heart all right, but he wants to touch you spiritually. He wants to make sure that you're right with him. And you'll take care of the other things. That's down the road. So maybe you're here and you say, I, I, don't, I don't know that that's me. Put those things to the side. Allow him to speak to you this morning. So this lame man, he was there, and all he wanted to be was supported financially. His physical condition, eh, at this point, it was what it was, right? 40 plus years, same old thing. Verse 3, it says, Who, seeking or seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. So business as usual, right? person passes by, I'm going to ask for alms. But what we see in verse 4 and 5 is pretty incredible. We see that it says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Not only does it say look at us, it says that as a result of saying this, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter he fixed his eyes upon this man. And I want you to put yourself in the scene, put yourself in this situation, right? I'm sure at one point or another, you've been walking down a strip mall or maybe you, you've been parked at a red light and someone is, is there begging, right? And if your intention is not to give them something, what do you do? If they're to the left, you're going to look to the right, right? If you're in your car, you're going to pull out your phone and you're going to look at it. You're going to ignore this person. But here we see an intentionality about Peter. We see that he fixes his eyes on him. That's the idea of locking eyes with someone. And I don't know about you, but you don't, you don't really lock eyes with someone 
and keep your eyes fixed on that person unless you're doing it intentionally, right? That, that's not an accident. So here, he's making, it, he's making it sure, he's making this guy know that what's about to happen, that it's intentional. And guys, oftentimes, we can't minister to people because we're not being intentional. You see, he was purposeful here. He purposed to minister to this person, to this lame man. He purposed to fix his eyes on him. And as a result of it, what do we see? As a result of it, we see, so he gave them his attention. Uh, That word attention, it means that he became aware or attentive to. He took notice of Peter. He took notice of John because these weren't just two men walking by. These weren't two men on their phone. These weren't two men that were looking the other way. These guys, they, they purposed to get his attention. So he has expectations, right? It says there that expecting to receive something from them. What was he expecting? Most likely silver or gold. Right? He was expecting some moolah. And he's there, and what happens? It's not what he receives. His expectation, it wasn't as great as what was about to happen. And our expectations, sometimes they sell God short. Sometimes God wants to do something greater, and we sell him short with our expectations. To expect something is to anticipate it. It's to begin to predict it, to forecast it. His forecast was that he was about to get some money, right? That's what he was expecting in this very moment, expecting to receive something from them. It says in verse 6 that then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And if we could put ourselves in this situation, I got to think that the lame man was like, oh, I've heard this one before. I wonder what his face looked like. God, oh, he's going he's gonna to offer me some food. Oh, he's going he's gonna to offer me a McChicken or a McGriddle, right? That's what's, that's what's coming. That, that's what it is. Fine. I, I'll take it. I, I'm hungry, right? I wonder if, if his face maybe from excitement just went to, thank you. And he wasn't too excited about what was about to happen, about what was about to be offered to him. But Peter Being filled with the spirit and boldness, he tells them, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Continuing to think of this man's face, I think of, did someone else ever come up to him and say, rise up and walk? Did someone else ever try to heal him? Maybe he's he's, he's of the mentality of, been there, done that, man. Uh, I'm, I'm not getting up. It's been 40 plus years right? Maybe you're here today and you're like, it's been 40 plus years of addiction. It's been 40 plus years of dealing with this sin. And I just can't break it. It's just, it's not going to happen today. And God has, he has other plans. And we see here that through the boldness of Peter, he tells them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Incredible, right? 
How, how does this all go down? What does this all look like? Verse seven, it says, and he took him by the right hand. It says, and he lifted him up. So he doubles down on his boldness. Not only did he tell him to rise up and walk, but it says that he took him by the right hand and lifted him. Now, this is the entrance to the temple, right? This is the beautiful gate. You, you gotta think that there's people around this is not just a room where it's the lame man and Peter and John, and if this fails, oh well, right? This is in front of maybe a crowd, in front of people as they walk by. And he doubles down on this boldness, on this courageous act. He does what? He says, he takes him by the right hand and he lifts him. And what we see here. It's that Peter, he receives the gift of faith that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a supernatural ability to, to trust God in a particular situation, in the moment, and he trusts him here. Trust that what he's receiving from God is that he should take him by the hand, that he should lift him up. And guys, this could fail, right? So it takes faith. It, took, it takes faith in a moment such as this one, but he has that faith. And it says there in the second half of verse seven, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Immediately. The author of Acts is, is Luke, a physician. And the, the language here, it suggests, where it says his feet and ankle bones received strength, it suggests that they were once dislocated and that now they were put in place, that his ankles, they received strength. Really incredible what we see here, a true miracle. And it's taking place right then and there at this specific time, a time when I don't think this man was expecting. It says in verse eight, so... He, leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. What a reaction, right? The joy in his face to be able to walk, to be able to be freed from this thing that had held him back for so long, for all of his life. It says in verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10 says, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. 40 plus years, right? I got to think year after year, these people would go into the temple as they would go to different services. They would see him there. Maybe they knew this man by name, Maybe they knew his situation. They knew his family. They knew all about this man, right? They knew the difficulties that he was going through. They knew that he couldn't walk. They knew all of these things. Maybe he was famous at that gate. He walked through that gate. Maybe it was that he was always right there. So they knew who this man was, 
all of a sudden, he's walking, and I got to think everyone is surprised. It says there that they're filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And guys, you begin to think, right, of God's timing. And God's timing is just important as God's will. We think, well, it's not God's will because it hasn't happened yet. We think this thing's not possible because we've been coming to church for years and years and years, and it hasn't happened yet. But God's timing, it is perfect. And through this gate, Jesus walked through this gate multiple times. I got to think he walked past this man multiple times. And God saw it fit that it wasn't Jesus that would heal this man. It wasn't Jesus that would touch this man, but it was the apostles. It was Peter that would lift him up by the hands. And his timing is perfect. You see, his ways are greater than our ways. And maybe that thing that you've been praying for for so long, maybe it's about to happen. Don't give up. Don't give up on what you've been praying for. Don't give up on that prodigal. Don't give up on that family member or that friend. Don't give up. Just because Jesus hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that he won't do it. His timing is perfect. And we see that here, his timing being perfect, that people saw this. In this point in time, people were walking by, a crowd began to to form. And maybe it happened in this point in time because someone else would see it and would receive it. And maybe whatever it is that you've been praying about, it comes to fruition at a certain time because others are going to take note. Others are going to take note of what God has done when that thing happens. And guys, when that thing happens, whether it's a miracle or not, whether, whatever way we may see it, right, when that thing happens, people are going to be in wonder. They're going to be amazed that it's happened. And you're going to have the opportunity. You're going to have the opportunity to take the credit, or you're going to have the opportunity to point it all back to the Lord. You have the opportunity to point it all back to Jesus. And here we see that in Peter. As, as the crowd will grow, as they have these questions for him, as they say these things, you'll see that he points it back to Jesus. Never touch the honor, never touch the glory. Always point it back to him. We serve a great God. He's amazing. He'll do amazing things through you. But when he does those amazing things through you, make sure to always point it back to him. So his feet, his ankle bones, they receive strength. The, the, the people are in awe of what happens. It says there in verse 11 that now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's. And they were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed. David Guzik, he has this to say. Peter wisely took advantage of the gathering crowd. Yet he knew that the phenomenon of the miracle in itself brought no one to Jesus. It merely aroused interest. David Guzik, he says, though they were greatly amazed, they weren't saved just yet. 
And Peter, he takes note of this. He decides to tell him the truth, to share with him the truth, to be the light in the darkness, to tell him of the good news. It says there in verse 12, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. There's a couple words I'd like to click on there. The first word is marvel. And that's to stare, to be in awe of, to be filled with amazement. He tells the men of Israel, why do you marvel? Why, why do you stare at us? Why do you stare at me? He tells them, why do you look so intently? And when you look intently at someone, that's that you're looking closely. You're fascinated by them. You're fixed upon them. And you see, when we do that to the Lord, that's a good thing, right? When we have our eyes fixed on God, that's a great thing. But here they had their eyes fixed on man. And Peter, he's like, don't do that. No, don't. It's not me. It's Jesus. And he points them back to where their eyes should be. They were looking intently at man. They had their eyes fixed upon Peter and John. And Peter, at that point in time, he could have taken their glory. Could have said, yeah, yeah. I healed him. That was me. No. That's not what he does. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go interesting the way that he he puts this right he says the god of abraham isaac and jacob by making this reference to god peter makes it clear that he spoke to them about the god of israel he spoke to them about the god represented in the hebrew scriptures he's he's making it abundantly clear to them here so he he knows his audience and that's, that's so important, right? That's an important part about being able to minister to someone, knowing who it is that you're talking to, right? Knowing what the difficulties are, what the struggles are, what they've come from. The only way to do that is to be intentional, to know who is around you, to know more about them. Now, don't get me wrong. There's words of knowledge that the Lord will give us and and maybe we'll have insight into someone's life that only the Lord has given us. But it's important to be intentional. It's important to get to know those that are around us. And here, he knows exactly how to speak to them. He knows exactly what to say. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. He says, it's this Jesus whom you've delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. He goes for it. He tells them just how it is. Verse 14 and 15, they say, but you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of life whom God has raised from the dead, 
of which we are witnesses. See, Peter was not afraid to confront him, to confront these people, this crowd of their sin. Again, incredible boldness that he shows here. One commentator says that the miracle of the speech of Peter is far more wonderful than the one miracle brought in the healing of the lame man. That's that commentator's opinion, but it just goes to show you how incredible it is what's coming out of Peter's mouth. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll give us the boldness to say things just how they are. We won't have to sugarcoat it. We won't have to dance around it. If God leads you to do it, you say it. And here he's saying it just as it is. He's telling them it is sin. And he's saying, and he uses the word you. He says, but you denied the Holy One. He goes for it. He tells them just the way that it should be said. And that's difficult, right? That's, that's uncomfortable. You, you won't hear that from many pulpits nowadays because at times that means people won't come back. When you talk about sin, when you talk about our shortcomings, people don't like that. But it's in God's word and it's important that we talk about it. We'll see that he continues there and in verse 16, he says, and his name, through faith in his name, that has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It tells him, hey, it was in Jesus' name, not in man's name, not in Peter's name, Right? Not in George's name. Insert your name there. Nope, not that one. Jesus' name. He makes it clear for them. It was faith in Jesus that made this man well. A faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Verse 17. Yet now, brethren... I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. So here, although he went straight for it, he also sympathizes with them, right? He says, I know you did it in ignorance. But notice that the ignorance doesn't mean that it's not sin. It's still sin. And in life, when we do things in ignorance and we've missed the mark or we've fallen short, sin, family, it's, it's sin, so he's sympathizing with them here. He tells them, I, I know, I know that you did it in ignorance, but you did what you did. We know that it's different from willful sin and purposing to go against the things of the Lord. But here, he's connecting with them. He's telling them, hey, we still have to take care of this. There's still things that are off. And in verse 18, it says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. He says in verse 19, repent therefore and be converted 
that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. He uses a couple words here. He points out a couple things. It would be wise of us to, to look at. He calls them to repentance. He says, repent therefore. And what he means by this, and it's the same exact thing that he did in his first teaching in Acts chapter two, he calls the crowd to repent. And repentance is, is not just being sorry that you've done something. It's not feeling bad that you've been caught. It's not feeling sad that mom or dad caught you doing something or that your husband or wife caught you doing something that you shouldn't have done. That's not repentance, right? Repentance is a turning around. Here we see a call to turn around, a call to leave the old man behind. Say, if you truly repent, if you're truly converted, know that you'll be forgiven of your sins. Know that your past will truly be the past. He went on to say there that your sins may be blotted out. And that's a part of true repentance. That's a part of a true turnaround. With Jesus, your sins are blotted out, erased. The old man is, is, is no longer. That's in the rearview mirror. That may be a part of your testimony, but that is not who you are anymore. And with Jesus, there is new things. There is a refreshing that we see in his presence and knowing who he is, knowing who you are and knowing what he's done for each and every one of us here in this room. Accepting that as truth and wanting to live different. We begin to live different. We begin to look like his son, Jesus. We begin to be the light in the darkness. And in, in speaking there, Peter, he says, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Peter here, he referred to the time when Jesus will return and rule the earth in righteousness. And Peter went so far here in verse 21 as to say that he may send Jesus Christ. He implied that if the Jewish people would have gotten right and if they all would have repented, that God the Father would have sent Jesus to return in glory. But how can we apply that here this morning? How can we look at that so that times of refreshing may come? You see, when we truly repent, when we truly get right with God, and when we truly enjoy of his presence, we will be refreshed. Refreshed. That word refresh, it means to be given new strength. It means to be revived or energized, to be freshened. I like this one, to be wakened up. When we're in Jesus' presence, we will be given new strength. 
we will be revived by him. He'll give us a certain type of energy. That's the Holy Spirit filling us to overflowing. He'll freshen us up and waken us up. Maybe you're here today and you've been lulled to sleep. Maybe you've been attending this church or you've been a believer for so many years. You think that, well, I've been waiting for Jesus' return. It's been 10 years. It's been 20 years. It's been 30 years. It's been 40 years. Ah, maybe he won't come back in my lifetime. And you've been lulled to sleep. And you're not taking it seriously anymore. Maybe you're here today and this is all that you've known. You were born in the church, from diapers to now teenage years. You're here. You think to yourself, been there, done that. I've sat in these blue chairs every Wednesday. I've sat in these blue chairs every Sunday. What can God have for me? And God, he has something special for each and every one of us. That's why it's called a relationship. God, he he desires that, to have that relationship with you to know you personally, to lead and guide you through the difficulties. There's gonna be difficulties in life. We're not exempt from those things. This is not prosperity gospel here. The truth is that you will have difficult things come across your life. There'll be sickness, whether in your life or in a family member's or in a friend's. You may lose your job. You may go through this, that, or the third. But the beautiful thing is that you could be refreshed through it all. You could have a joy. That joy, right, it comes from the Lord. And because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, we could continue to have that joy. We could continue to be refreshed by him, even though things around us may seem like they're crumbling. That's the God that we serve Be refreshed by him. If you're here today and you realize that, man, I've fallen asleep, spiritually speaking, wake up. God's knocking. He wants to do something special in and through your family. Allow him to do those things. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to pour into you as you read his word, as you commit things to prayer, You know, oftentimes, I I like to remind you guys, you know there's a prayer service here at 6 o'clock on Sundays? How many prayer services have have we attended this this year? Have we been to any at all? Have we purposed to come and to pray with a congregation? It's important to be here on Sundays, right? It's, It's nice to be here at 9 and at 11 and to enjoy a Bible study. But prayer is important. Prayer is important. I I. I invite you guys, I welcome you guys to join us later today. Come back at six and, and, and pray with us. And are we praying? Are we spending time with him and allowing him to refresh us in a way that no other person can, that no other circumstance can? See, circumstances, they come and they go. Good times, they come and they go. Vacations, they come and they go. But what stays constant is the Lord, same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Verse 22 and verse 23. 
they say the following. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things. Whatever he says to you, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. It says there that they shall not hear the prophet. They should not hear the words that are for them. You see, the destruction promised here in prophecy would become the legacy of this generation of Jews. Many of this generation, they rejected Jesus. Not only did they reject him, they rejected him twice over. Maybe you're here today and you're invited by your friends. Maybe you did a, a quick Google search and somehow you've found yourself here at this place this morning. God is knocking at your door. And maybe in the past, you've rejected him. Maybe you have wanted nothing to do with him. And like these Jews, like these people, maybe you've rejected him more than once. Maybe it's been time in and time again. But today's a different day. Today, you may have come in here with expectations that nothing would change. Expectations that this would be just another day, another Sunday. God's outfit that he would begin to chip away at your hard heart. If that's you here today, allow him to do it. Allow him to soften your heart to the point where you can receive from him. He wants you to receive from him. He loves you. He cares for you. He has plans for you. Don't reject Jesus today. Allow him to do that work in you. Allow him to refresh your life. Verse 24, it says, Yes, all of the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. Verse 25, You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 26, it says, To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, set him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. As we go through these last set of verses, I welcome the worship team to come on up and to lead us in a couple songs of worship. We see there that at the end of Acts chapter 3, God's desire, it is to bless us. God's desire, it is, man, to do good for us. But it's also his desire to turn us away from our sins. It's our desire that we would no longer look back to the old man. It's our desire that that would be in the rear view, that we would focus in on him that we would focus in on the new man, that we would allow him to do this good work in our lives. You see, the lame man at the beautiful gate, he wanted something in particular that morning. He was looking for silver and for gold. 
He was looking for something physical. Jesus, he had, he had more plans for that day. Yes, he would physically heal him, but he would use his story to touch his life spiritually, to touch the life of those that were watching him closely. And family, if I may call you that here this morning, you have friends, you may have a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt that is watching closely. Allow the Lord to do something special in your life so that they too may take notice and that that would open up a door to give them the good news. Let's pray. And I welcome the pastors to come on up. They'll be available for prayer. They'll be available to uh, pray with you. And if you've been touched this morning, if you sense that God has something special for you and for your family, and something special that he wants to do through you, maybe it's salvation. Maybe he does want to touch you spiritually and you've been that person that has rejected him may today be the day of salvation let's pray god thank you so much for this time thank you father for your word thank you for your presence in this place holy spirit we pray that you would continue to fill this place continue to fill our lives now pray that you'd be blessed by this time of worship god and lord that we'd be able to settle things with you. Please, Lord, do that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Because